use. But we thank you that it's going to be taken care of today. In Jesus name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. So everything you need is in the word. Amen. So today we're going to talk about why I trust Psalm 91. So I I trust Psalm 91. I hope you can say why you trust Psalm 91 too. (laughs) I remember uh, hearing uh, testimonies. I uh, apart from I would say the 23rd Psalm 91 is probably the most uh, known quoted spoken of testified of of the Psalms and, and for good reason uh, when we uh, uh, when I first started in ministry and first started as a believer I started out uh, in a prayer ministry it was really a Bible study but the focus was on prayer because how many of you know when you get a bunch of women together and you know from all different backgrounds some of them are grandmothers small children um, young with small children um, and some are working women and this was a, a Bible study held at 10 o'clock in the morning and whoever could get by got by but if you couldn't get by you knew that you could leave a prayer request or you could come in and you know at the time of prayer and if you had to run out you ran out but you, you always came by for prayer and that was always the focus of every small gathering I would say that I was in and really the focus of our ministry now because from that beginning I learned to trust prayer and I learned why uh, I could put my trust in prayer because I was putting my trust in God the one that you pray to and so uh, from that I, I started to develop a desire and a love to understand prayer and to teach prayer and little did I know that God had put that in me because I was called to a prayer ministry and so as I began to study I, I would always hear phenomenal testimonies about people who prayed Psalm 91 and I thought to myself I said well I'm gonna keep that you know how some things you tuck into your your memory or you tuck it and hide it in your heart and that was one of the things that I I did and I remember hearing a testimony and it was a verbal testimony I could never find it written anywhere and I know it is written somewhere but it was a verbal testimony about a little town in I think it was Missouri Uh, and they sent there they had a large number from that small town a large number of young men during World War II who were drafted into the service and the 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 people in the town were so concerned about it that there was a little church there and the pastor said well we're going to assign people to pray for them and daily they would that prayer that uh, church would be open and they would literally read Psalm 91 every single day and they did it day and night because that church stayed open day and night and anybody wanted to come in could pray but they always would pray Psalm 91 uh, because they liked what it said and it was like if we could only believe this you know and uh, that that little town at the end of World War II every young man that went off to war came back home and there was no casualties nobody was wounded uh, everybody came back intact and so that was one of the uh, you know how it is when you're kind of young in the Lord you, those those um, 
I would say the cornerstones sometimes that are built in your spiritual house. That was one of those cornerstone uh, testimonies that I could hold on to. And I just knew that if anything uh, uh, were to happen or some kind of war disaster would break out, we could rely on that psalm uh, to, to carry us through. So much so that when when our country went to war after September 11, 2001, uh, God moved on us to print Psalm 91 in bookmark form. Because I I'm a I'm a, a a lover of things that make it convenient, making the Word of God convenient for people to be able to use. And I know that people always have bookmarks in their Bibles, and some some. <laughs> People have more bookmarks than Bibles. You know, you get around some of these people that just was, you know, always had their Bible with them or collected things. They had more stuff falling out of it when they opened it up than they had pages. But, you know, it, it was just that way. And and uh, I think to date we probably distributed, I, I know over 50,000 of this Psalm 91 bookmarks. We gave them away free. We would give them away uh, 20 at a time to people that they would write to us or or contact us on our website. We would give them away uh, to them. And they were double-sided. I think we had two two translations of Psalm 91 on each side. One we had more or less for believers and the other side was for uh, people who just picked it up. But we sent a lot of them to soldiers in the military. Uh, we had a lot of good feedback about them we had uh, Psalm 91 printed on uh, pieces of um, on cardstock that was laminated and we cut it in the side in the shape of a shoe so we would send them to service men and tell them stand on the word put this in your boot and, and wear it around stand on it and so it was a good way to uh, get that psalm in people's hands and, and then when I was thinking about it I said well we're trusting in the word but we also trust the God that wrote that word and and so he is the one who backs it up and so uh, why we trust Psalm 91 there's so many good reasons why so we're going to explore those and and, um, uh, you know a little bit more detail and get an understanding of how the scripture has held um, for people in very difficult situations and how it's it's very very important for us uh, in this day and age the age that you live in is never so modern and so easy that you have to you can leave the word of God that you can not have the word of God as your foundation so many times we get involved in these self-help programs and uh, you know everybody wants to you know you can buy tapes on self-improvement and all of this stuff but no matter what self does self is nothing if God is not empowering self to do what you do and uh, so that's just the truth so uh, in Psalm 91 uh, if you'll turn there we'll begin in the first verse it says he that dwells in the secret place of the most I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So this is speaking of somebody who is not a casual visitor 
to God's presence but somebody who abides there somebody who lives there somebody who like Enoch walked with God and one day he was he wasn't seen anymore because God took him he walked so closely to God and we know that heaven is our final destination you know heaven really is our real home Uh, we're just on loan to this earth but we also know that there is a walk um, in the spirit and a walk with God that we we are as believers are invited into I mean it's a wonderful thing to be able to walk with God and it's a wonderful thing to know the presence of God his abiding presence uh, at all times Uh, I, I can remember uh, getting studying some teachings that talked about walking in the spirit walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh and I was thinking about that I said boy you can use that I don't care how old or how young you are the flesh gets everybody in trouble you know uh, I don't care if it's excuse me just eating too many Twinkies flesh you know if you walk with God I can remember I, I was talking about fasting one time and we uh I had to admonish all of us myself included uh that we weren't keeping up our commitment to fast before the empowerment meeting you know because we were we were diligent about it we first started uh we would come in fasting and and uh we would always prepare like a real um small uh, you know like a continental type breakfast we'd have coffee and we'd have a roll or bagel or donut or something like that uh, because we were breaking the fast and then I was being told that people were stopping and buying whole meals on the way down to the meeting so I had to corral everybody back and I said no wait a minute now the purpose of our doing this is to make sure that we are are getting as much flesh out of our prayer life as we possibly can when you deny your your when you afflict your soul that's what fasting really is it's an affliction of your soul which means that your soul is not so focused on your natural surroundings and feeding your emotions and your eyes and your uh, that part of yourself when it's, it's defocused on those things then your spirit man can rise up and connect with God so much easier I mean I've done this for years and and, uh, I can remember uh, people would say things like I remember Brother Hagen teaching on the fasted life he was saying stuff like well God told him uh, you know don't don't keep fasting and eating and fasting you just leave live a fasted life and I think that's good but I think there are also some times too where you need to just separate yourself from the natural and the ordinary and the everyday to come away with God however that is and so I remember having to admonish us to get back to fasting again because that is one way to divorce yourself from the carnal temptations and the emotionalism of life and the things that just feed your emotions and feed your uh, your flesh so much uh, because really that's a temptation for us as believers we should be so committed to God that we walk with God as a choice and and you know then every now and then when you slip off and give in to the flesh that's another thing but walking with God is really the important thing and so this psalm really um, talks about the person who has made the commitment to walk with God 
they just have it's not for a casual because you'll see a lot of times with with casual uh need for god one day you'll get to the point where you don't even need him on a casual basis you know and people just walk away from god i've seen it over the years you know there are people they're on fire for god some of them will serve god or serve in the church faithfully 10 15 years and then all of a sudden one day they disappear you know with no explanation no it's not like you're moving on to something more devoted or you've outgrown the place where you are whatever people say but they just disappear out of nowhere you know and and quit and i think to myself i say god you know what is it that gets people and and i think it's a temptation that that nags people that never gets put under you know put in its place get put under your feet so to speak where you just just get it out of your life period and so walking with god will help us to overcome temptation help us to avoid these traps and pitfalls because i don't care who it is it's a great loss when you cease following god it's a great loss when you we look at all the empty chairs and you look at all the people that don't serve god anymore don't walk with him anymore and you think to yourself boy that person really had a lot to offer that person really had uh abilities and gifts and talents and all of that and it's missing from the body of christ uh because that person decided one day to just cave in and let the devil have everything and quit walking with god so walking with god walking in the spirit is your safeguard against the temptation to uh, backslide the temptation to fall away temptation to say it's not worth it anymore the temptation to say it's not working don't ever be casual when it comes to god because it's a great thing that god's given us that he has accepted us and he loves us and given us new life given us the life of his son uh, that's no small potatoes that's a great thing that's everything god had was was wrapped up in his son uh, just like everything that that people have is wrapped your children are, are very much uh important in your life and and everything that you you work for they are the recipients of it you share it with them you impart it to them you provide for them you are very much invested in them and the same way god is very much invested in jesus and he gave him to us as a gift the gift of life and eternal life and and good things in in this life and good things to come eternally so it's wonderful what god has done for us and uh, we can trust in what he's done we definitely can trust in god and it's good to walk with god and and to be a friend of god and and look at him as a friend it's like what do i want to do for my best friend today what can i do for my good friend jesus who's given me so much and and once we start really relating to god understanding the greatness of what we've been given and and uh really valuing uh what we have in this relationship uh, we will have more confidence in god so uh psalm 91 is is a place where you can go and build your confidence in god uh like never before i think it's good to just read it daily uh just let your eyes 
you know fall on those pages and fall on those words and see where God will take you with that and what he will do with it so he says in verse 1 the one who dwells in the secret place of the most high that's a place that you go to just you and God know about it it's a secret place so it's a place I believe in your heart it's also a place it may be a place in your home where you live where you know that you can uh, stay in that place and and uh, focus on God you can be alone with him share with him he shares with you where uh, you can open up your heart and open up your mind and tell him the things that you need to tell him he knows everything anyway so you might as well go ahead and confess it you know uh, all of all our, our um Uh, big things and our little things he needs to know all of that as you would with a friend and so you want to dwell in that place you want to stay there you want to always have that place in your heart where you reflect on the goodness of God you reflect on the mercy of God you reflect on the word of God Uh, we can't just be people who had a born again experience or a tongue talking experience and that's all we have just a checklist of things that have happened to us where God was involved what God wants is for us to let him set up uh, his headquarters in our hearts he wants to take over he wants to live there and dwell there so that we can live the best life Uh, we're not going to be shortchanged on anything the more you give over to God the greater uh, you are in every area of your life you're you're never diminished with what you give over to God he's not a taker anyway he's a giver he's a multiplier and he's an increaser and so he just wants to allow us to be able to trust him and know that we trust him so that he can be released in our lives to do the great things that he wants to do for us Uh, some of the things God wants to do for us it would blow our minds if we saw it all at one time in one place and so he leads us and guides us into the things that he he's a God of revelation so it many of the things that you have yet to experience you have no clue what they are you don't know when they're coming but you know that if you stay with God the best is yet to come there's going to be more coming there's going to be greater things coming Uh, there's going to be greater abilities in us where God is going to use us to such a degree that we'll be shocked at what comes about in in some of these situations where he wants to use us Uh, i think probably saving a person from hell is the greatest joy and the greatest privilege and the great because you have changed their life eternally i just don't think sometimes we understand all that that means but i know there are people that um um have been led to the lord uh, just by a friend taking them somewhere and like Billy Graham the kid that took Billy Graham to a, a crusade he had no clue what Billy Graham would turn out to be but look at not only did he give Billy Graham his place in heaven but he gave him heaven down here on earth 
in in the desire to serve God to the degree that that man has influenced and still is influencing people. He's got so much influence they won't let him die. You know what I'm saying? You know how you keep the old saints around just praying for I look at that stuff. You know, I look at the people who will pray for people uh when they find out they're they're sick like when Morris Cirilla was uh uh he had some kind of uh, uh vascular disease or something recently and he's up in his 80s you know and and uh he said he decided to pray and all the his partners prayed and the saints prayed and I saw him recently dancing across the stage where God's raised him up to go go some more, you know. And uh it's just amazing what what letting God be your dwelling place, you know, just have that secret place in you where you contact God and, and you trust him, you can open up to him. You're not trying to hide anything from him. You're not ashamed of it. Well, you can be ashamed of stuff, but you know he knows it anyway. So let's get the shame out of the way. Let's let's let God have it and and live the good life He wants us to live. So He does this for our, our benefit. So when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you abide under the shadow. You live. You live there. This is your permanent. Living place is the shadow of the Almighty. So, what is the shadow of the Almighty? It's it 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 is a place of protection. Number one. And it's also a place where that person goes before you. Because your shadow, uh, well, depends on what time of day. But we think of a shadow as being behind someone. And at certain times of day before someone. But uh, that shadow is always there as your protection. It, it keeps you, it hides you from the shade. You know, it provides a shade for you when it's too hot out. It provides a hiding place for you in times of trouble. So as a shadow, God goes before us and leads us like a good shepherd. So when you dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, you are, are in the hiding place of God, but you're also being led by God. He won't lead you any place that's going to do you harm he'll only lead you to places that are safe for you i'm not saying you won't get into any kind of trouble in your life ever but he's right there with he led you there he's right there with you he's a present help in trouble so he will help you out of every situation that comes against you every single one he'll never leave you by yourself he never leaves you by yourself he's always there for us there's also healing in his shadow Malachi 4.2 says the son of righteousness arises with healing in his wings so there's healing in the shadow of the almighty in the book of Acts people got healed when Peter would walk by Peter's shadow healed people that was Jesus amen Jesus is Peter's shadow he's the shadow of the almighty the son of righteousness arises with healing in his wings so there's healing in his shadow there's protection from all adverse elements think of these people who get lost in the desert and you understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's some really difficult situations you could get into just in, you know, you could have a car breakdown 
in a, on a road that that is so far from civilization you yeah, understand what i'm saying uh i remember a story many many years ago it was such a heartbreaking story uh where there was a young couple that was lost and i remember praying for them other people praying but it was on the news and uh this couple was on their way to a family reunion and they hadn't showed up yet and they, this was before cell phones were real popular and stuff like that and they found them maybe three or four days later what had happened was they they were driving to the family reunion and the weather was was it was winter time it was this was somewhere out in the rockies or you know out west a little bit more and um they had used a map to find their way and uh, the map was outdated or something but one of the roads that was on the map wasn't open anymore something like that they were caught in a snowstorm they had their infant child with them and um but god was with them they kept that baby warm though it was what they went through was just mind-boggling but for three days they survived in that extreme cold and i think uh the the husband or wife had a foot removed or something because of frostbite extreme frostbite but they finally were able to get to them well you know that it's god keeping people alive like that you know what i'm saying you know you don't know what situation might befall you you can be just going through your normal life you know uh you know and i know most people don't live in a place where they take chances but some people do you know they're believers that take certain chances you know they feel they have the grace to do certain things and they do them but i'm i'm a little more cautious sometimes about uh traveling and, and where to go and all that kind of you make sure your cell phone is charged and you don't you don't do things recklessly because you just know god's going to help you you know you but you take every precaution you can and uh, sometimes you know these storms come up out of nowhere you know just like they did with the disciples they had jesus in the boat with them and the storm came up you know and so these things will happen but you can rely if you abide under the shadow of the the lord is your refuge and your dwelling place and that's that's how you do it now how do you abide under the shadow will you do it through your confession uh, verse 2 tells you i will say how do you dwell there it's by what you say amen where is your faith what is your faith telling you so the writer here says i will say of the lord he's my refuge and my fortress my god in him i will trust you're not trusting in your uh your cell phone you're not i mean you have it with you but that ain't where your trust is you're not trusting in your good tires that you bought even though you got good tires that's not what you're trusting in you're trusting in the lord at all times people will will get on the road and start driving somewhere hit a patch of black ice and it's all over you understand what i'm saying and so there's there's all kinds of danger uh out here but when you dwell under the shadow of the almighty and you trust god you, you just move him up to the head of your list of things that you're relying on you know got my cell phone got my bottle of water got my whatever whatever you know i got all that stuff check 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 but uh and the gas tank is full 
I remember that when I was uh, a younger person learning to drive. The older people would tell you, just baby, don't let your gas tank get empty. You know, get get you some extra gas in there. You'd be so used to going when it's on fumes and just get you know, like what what good what? <laughs> how much good is that going to do you to fill it up when it's totally empty? But that's that's the way you live when you're young and reckless. But I learned how to in the winter time get to keep that tank full because you get mighty nervous sometimes you get out there and get driving you don't see anything for miles but God is your refuge amen he's your refuge he is your refuge you know God has supernaturally put gas in my tank when I just had to have it you know I mean you get in those situations sometimes and you know it wasn't I don't well it was it was bad enough you don't want to run out of gas but I remember uh, going to a bible study Pastor Shirley and I, one of our, I think it was a non-witch Bible study for a change that we <laughs> went. There was some normal saints there that really wanted God, wanted the Word. But anyway, we were we had just left the Bible study, and she was driving, and they had that big Lincoln at the time, and and so uh, she kept driving slow, and I, you know, the the we were out kind of like in the country, and the speed limit was something like forty, forty five, or something. I said, "What's she driving so slow?" This was after the Bible study was over, and um, you know, the anointing sometimes the anointing makes me giddy. You know, if I have to go on the way home, I have to tone down and. You know, everything's funny, and you know that. So I just keep to myself, shut myself up, don't say anything to anybody, till I come back to normal, so to speak. But anyway, it just was funny to me. She kept dressing. What are you trying to slow for? She said, "She said I don't have much gas in my tank," and I said, "Oh, gas." So I touched the the um, gas gauge and I said, "Lord, fill our tank up." And just, so we got like a quarter of a tank, and we came up to a quarter full. And so uh, we had asked him for gas, and so we're just driving along. We got up to forty and just having a good time. And so that that dial never moved, and we had about forty miles until we got home. But we didn't have to stop it. We didn't have to just make it to a gas station or anything. Uh, you know, God's super naturally put gas in there and so you know it, it he's he's our dwelling place you know he's our dwelling place what'd you say he's our dwelling place amen we trust in him we trust in the lord so it and he says he's our refuge our fortress he is our god we trust in him now what does it mean to trust in the lord what does it mean to trust the trust really means to confirm or to support something so when god supports you you support him got me so when you trust in the lord you will say words that confirm that he's a good God when for instance when you when somebody gives a testimony you say amen you're trusting that's that's an expression that you trust God because you are confirming their report about God you're supporting what they say and your amen signifies that you are witnessing and attesting in your spirit to what that that has just been declared and so your amen really is enough to to let God know that you are trusting in him you support him 
many times we can hear testimonies of situations where people have trusted God. And the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So at the same time that testimony is being shared, it is prophetic in the ears of the people that hear it. And people will report that they have been in similar situations and the same thing happened to them that happened to that person that gave the testimony just as it, it was given. And so really when you, when you support or you trust God, you are supportive of what he does. You are the one who says, yes, God will do that. Uh, you're not uh, listening to a testimony to find a crack in it or something in it to criticize or pull apart but you are supporting and undergirding that trust in God because somebody needs to hear what's being shared so that they can grab onto it and their life will reproduce it your spirit man records those things that's why testimonies are so powerful when they glorify God now sometimes people just want to give testimony to say you know they're they're doing something or whatever but uh, when a testimony glorifies God the spirit of prophecy is on that thing and it will happen with the hearer just like it happened with the doer Uh, I was listening to a woman uh, give a testimony that she knew had been repeated at least five times by people that she knew in her circle was a testimony of this one girl um, had about uh, being being stranded she and her sister were stranded and uh, they were on a, a road and the car had just died and she said that somebody drove up behind them and all they could see was two headlights behind them of course they were frightened they had been praying and asking God to send help but you know sometimes you ask in faith and you receive in fear or unbelief or you know what's this you know God send me help and help shows up and you're scared of it and that's pretty much what happened to these young women and uh, she said that the person that got out uh, was a normal looking man and he told him he said well I'm here to help you and uh, you ladies just stay in the car I can figure out what's wrong you know and if I need you to do anything I'll have you do it and so he went under the hood and did something and slammed the hood down told them well I'll start it up and they started up he said I'll follow you a little bit until you get back on and that's what happened this happened to five different sets of women amen that had heard that testimony and so they know these are angelic beings you know it's not like John Brown from down the road and you know where he lives and all that kind of stuff and nobody's even supposed to be out there in that area that time of night but these are our ministering spirits sent to us by God who know exactly what to do and and they do it uh, angels when they visit and this is just my understanding from my experience now I haven't experienced everything but some things I have angels are not like people in that with people you have to do some you may have to do some wrestling with them a little bit because angels have a will that's totally given over to God and they are on an assignment and they are know exactly what to do they'll do it they don't need you to uh, encourage them to do it you just get out of the way and let them do what they're supposed to do and go on in life 
humans, you may have to give them instruction. You may have to encourage them if they're on a time constraint or they don't know how to do this. There's some, mm, you know, it's a yin 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 in there that you have to deal with that they may need your help, in other words. A human might need your help to make the decision to go ahead and do the best they can. When angels leave, it's done perfectly. There's nothing wrong anywhere. If you follow the, if they give you an instruction, you follow that instruction, you'll be fine. Humans are very, very different. They have a will that you might have to struggle with a little bit to convince them to do what needs to be done and they have a limit usually on what they will do so their will gets involved in it and and they they're not as compliant as angels are and they don't do things as perfectly as angels are so you can tell the difference you know you, was that a human or was that you if you ever doubt it's human it's probably an angel because it's kind of like too good to be true you know, nobody but God would send somebody like that up in here, you know. <laughs> up here in my confusion. And so and angels don't need money and don't need a tip and you don't even feel led to give them anything. It's just like, well, there, there's a holiness about it that you can't interfere with. You get the sense that you don't need to touch into that at all because it's already taken care of. And so that's a great thing about God. When he does things, he does it in a holy manner where it's perfect, it's right, there's nothing wrong with it. It's right in every sense of the of the uh, uh, every sense, and there's nothing lacking, nothing missing, nothing broken. They leave you in peace, in total peace. So when you trust God, that means to confirm, affirm, and support, to be assured in. You're not wavering at all. When you trust God, you're certain that He's going to help you. You're certain that He'll get the job done. It, to, to trust means to have faith in. You gotta have confidence that God will, you know, He'll do you good. It's not gonna be a bad situation. He'll do you good. To trust means to establish, to be carried by. That's kind of a nice thought. Also means to bring. So when you, the person you trust is someone that you bring your situation to you know if you're if you trust your parents you'll bring them you come to them you fall you bring them your your wounds and your scars and your boo-boos you know you just bring your burdens to them the word trust uh, one of the words uh, the trust the word trust has the same root meaning as the word doorpost so it means you know the doorpost was really the the main structure of the house it held all the everything else to it you know everything was built off of that that framing and so it's something you can trust as a main support in your life you know, you can dwell under it if you go through your doorpost a sturdy home once you get inside that house it won't collapse in on you you got me and so God won't fail you he won't collapse on you you won't be in the middle of trusting him and get scared and then he leaves you amen so it's a wonderful thing to know that you can trust him 100 percent 
Yeah, I've been in situations and they seem to be going well and then they go downhill for a little bit and it's like, oh my goodness, but you know, you have to grab hold it. You don't trust you don't switch off and start trying to look for somebody else to help you. You gotta keep calling on God. Now even in the midst of difficulty, you keep calling him. Amen. And when you obey God, you declare he is your refuge, he will be just that. Amen. If you say, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress, in him I will trust. And let that be your confession. Let that be your pledge. Your pledge to trust him 100%. Then he will do that for you. So he will be your refuge. He will be what you declare him to be. You know, a lot of times people uh, will get angry at God they'll have difficulty in their their uh, life or something I remember seeing a um, um, a story about a woman whose husband was a uh, um, I think a state trooper or a police officer of some kind and uh, he had had a horrible accident that morning and when she got to the hospital her um, there was a lot of people around and and um, you know people to help and there was a chaplain there and uh, I thank God for chaplains because they do uh, a really difficult work they, they're there to you know where pastors you know most of your people walk in uh, sometimes with chaplains their people aren't able to do anything they have to go up to them and offer God's services and so uh, she went in and there was a, a female chaplain there and she just told this lady off let her have where was your boss when this happened I'm thinking to myself my goodness that is very strange somebody attacked the one person that can help them the most you know for those of us who know God and the the woman you know didn't say anything but she let herself but this woman was so angry and I'm thinking God what is wrong with people and you know in in God told me he said people like that he said, "He said, I am wherever you ask me to be. And he said, people like that never ask me into their lives. And he said, that's why they have that response when I show up. He said, they don't want me there. So I said, okay. But he is where you ask him to be. You see what I'm saying? If he's not there, don't blame him if you didn't call him. Now, if you called him and he didn't show up, then you got a cause. But, you know, when you ask God and you ask in faith, he will be there. And many times, you know, and I thought to myself, boy, this would be no time. And I really prayed for that woman for quite a while. I said, Lord, soften her heart and heart. I said, her husband needs your help. Don't let her be the hindrance there, you know. And um, and so it, it is that way. But if you say the Lord is your refuge, he will be there. He'll follow your words. He'll follow your confession. He'll follow your faith. If you trust him to be there, he will be there. Surely he shall deliver you, verse 3 says, from the snare of the fowler. Now the snare of the fowler, you know, they would always, um, uh, when they would hunt, a fowler is a person that traps birds. They trap fowl, and so when you when you hunt uh, birds, you always put your trap underneath leaves or something where it's not visible to the eye. And if there is a trap that's set for us that's not visible to our eye, God says He will deliver us from that. See. 
you know people have gotten caught up in some very very unique traps um i remember brother sumrall's testimony about a woman who was a uh she she was a um, like a bible teacher an elder in a church and uh he was there ministering one night and uh he called her up and see this is the mercy of god now a lot of people don't um may not consider you might think one way or the other but this is the mercy of god because this lady would gotten herself messed up and brother summerall ministered to her at the altar and he said the lord's showing me that you have been visiting uh, uh um, pornography houses and watching pornographic movies he said the devil has deceived you in the thinking that because you're assigned to work with the youth in this church that this is something that you need to for your teaching you see how screwed up people can get and see the life of a christian sex life has nothing to do with pornography you got me uh you don't need to watch something to learn something that god has taught people to do from the foundation of the earth you know what did adam and eve had they had adam and eve and that was it and so uh and he said this he said the the enemy has put a driving spirit in you that keeps you restless day and night he said in he said god wants you free he said i'm gonna pray for you and deliver you but you cannot go back to this he said you are free from deception you're free from this driving lust spirit and she was like a middle-aged lady you got me she wasn't you know and so i say that to say this that just as her foot got put in that snare she didn't know how how much damage it would do to her and she couldn't get out of it you got me god she had to wait until god came and sent somebody that knew him enough and had the power to deliver her to get delivered and so but he will deliver us from the snare of the fowler amen because we are too precious to him to allow ourselves to get caught up in carnal activities that uh, you know and they're they're a snare so some sometimes you know you can uh, do things nothing happens you know you shouldn't do them but you know you do things and nothing happens and nothing happens but don't keep going back there because that thing is a snare because it's not for you it's really not god's got something much better for you and that is a pure heart and a pure mind a pure life and you can live in that realm with him and have great joy and great contentment in your life if you will allow god to to cause you to abide there so that's the snare you know the enemy has so many snares offenses can be snares you know you stick your foot in that foot of offense you get involved with these people that want to uh, put down the church and put down christians and put everybody's putting down somebody you know somewhere you get involved with that nonsense and you know some of these put down people stay in church for 40 years they're not getting anything out of being but at least they go and see you'll be the casualty you'll be somebody who never can find a church 
church where they can you know they just don't treat me right and they, you know here I am again you know just go stay some go somewhere and stay there you know and, and just make up your mind you're not going anywhere you, you'll be fine God will take care of you you know so the psalmist lists reasons to trust God he lists them there's so many reasons in this scripture to trust him he will deliver you which means that you'll come out intact nothing missing nothing broken all your wounds will be healed anytime the enemy ensnares you you will be set free over and over and over and over and over again as most of us know with our bills that we you know it's Christmas time Rob Peter pay Paul that's the order of the day huh well, well, well. Peter wants some money sometime too. You know why you got Rob sticking gun up his nose all the time. So you know that stuff catches up with us after a while. January's coming, so the moment of truth comes in January. So, so we have to face all of those things. But you know we cry out to God, help me. Here I am. I'm. I mess my money up again. You know. Number one problem wasn't your money to begin with. God was always you just a steward. God entrusted you with it, but you didn't trust Him to teach you how to spend it right. Yeah. <laughs> you went off on your own. Just had to get ooh, look at twenty percent discount on top of my uh buddy pass all this other stuff always sitting up somewhere got no business being mm-hmm. so he, he comes to our rescue and he said he'll deliver us King James says noisome uh, the other translations will call it a perilous pestilence perilous that means it's deadly it is life threatening pestilence refers to a disease entity so it means that you are free from uh, Zika and his brother and his uncle and you know I got so tired of hearing people complaining about being so sick from from flu shots. I, God told me one healing school. He said get a, get that prayer cloth and cut them up and tell them I'll keep them free from flu if they'll put their trust in the anointing. So that became our flu shot from then on. Now they're finding out they they really are deadly and they make more people sick than they help and they make them too sick. It used to be you got a few symptoms and you got more cells to build up immunity to disease but now you're probably the the only people really getting flu is to get people getting the shots anymore you see what I'm saying so we have to be careful about the trust God if he says get the shot then don't worry about it but if he tells you you know I'll take care of you let him take care of you amen really a lot of that immunity stuff is just giving in the fear now there are some things I would say take it because you don't want the chance the disease the disease is so devastating you know the ones from polio you know and all that that have low risk to them but some of these are just they give them every year uh, somebody making money off that stuff so you know you got to understand that too so uh, uh, we need to understand that that there are severe plagues in the Middle Ages, the 1300s. There was a, the the Black Death of bubonic plague. It only lasted seven years. Thank God, it just disappeared. But in that process. It killed almost 50 million people. 60% of the population of Europe died. 
It's like you're living in a, a neighborhood and out of ten houses, only four of them have people living in, in, in them anymore. And that goes on for miles and miles and miles. And so one of the things we do know about that period of time is that the gospel was not preached. You got me? There was no, um, there was mostly uh, monks in monasteries. They weren't going into all the world to preach the gospel. They were living apart from the people behind closed doors. Uh, some of the groups of, of uh, traveling ministers um, went from being um, minstrels and psalmists and people like that to being what they call troubadours where they would start singing secular songs for money so the church really declined very greatly and it's, a, it's no coincidence to me that the incidence of deadly disease increased with the decrease of the preaching of the gospel and God's word you got me so when the words at a minimum and the words being fought and the words being persecuted oftentimes sin abounds and so that's why we have what we call revivals because people have gotten so enamored with the, the secular life and the life of sin and all that that they just go about their merry way and forget about God. We've hit a low point in this nation where people are being sued because they don't want to get involved in ungodly behavior. You got me? Where we're trying to force people to agree with our sin. And that's all it is. All these sinners are under conviction. And the way they fight it is try to get the church to compromise. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, you have to fight that, folks. And be careful of getting sucked into these different (laughs) different things. You know, I see Christians sometimes they're scared to wear t-shirts with God on them and stuff and all this ugly stuff people put on their table they ain't scared to wear nothing and you know we'll wear our t-shirts and people you know sometimes people I can't go here because they don't like that and all that whatever you know don't don't shy away from God that's the God that saves you and the God that keeps you every day you know living under the shadow of the almighty means being proud of God and, and glad to and being praised you know keeping a praise on your lips about him so uh, God always has a hiding place for his people though but you got to remember 40% of people during that plague survived and those were the people who were under the shadow of the almighty I don't care if the gospel isn't being preached you can hide under the shadow of the almighty you can say the Lord is my refuge and you can put your trust in him so God always has a hiding place for people who trust in his word verse 5 he says you shall not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flies by day now terror by night is a real spirit now I've had encounters with that and I know other people have too and I've encouraged them I'll have people call me and say for some reason for some reason something happens when I go to bed it's like there's a, a, a something there that keeps me scared to go to sleep or when I go to sleep I drift off for a little bit and I wake back up again and and there is a real spirit that robs people of their peace and robs them of their sleep 
And so I'll encourage people. I said, well, you need to read Psalm 91 at bedtime. And keep reading it. You got me? Because what happens is the enemy tries to get you accustomed to his harassment. And make you think that it's normal and you have to put up with him. And just, I would just confess it out loud. You know, just, God, I shall not be afraid of the terror by night. And take authority over that. We have authority over all the works of darkness. And we need to use it. Don't sit up there and, and let the devil harass you. And you get up in the morning tired, bags under your eyes. You've been asleep half the time. Now there are there is an awakening by God also in the watches of the night. Amen. Now I I know from experience I've talked to intercessors for over 35 years now and many of them have this experience. They'll say uh, a lot of times I wake up at 3 in the morning, 2.30, somewhere between 2.30, 3.30 in the morning. And I said why don't you pray when you get up? Why don't you pray when you wake up? I said because that's uh, the the um, uh, third watch of the night. I said and that is when demons often change and strategize. I said they like to do their planning. If you notice in major cities uh, where they have laws about closing and opening and serving drinks, bars close at 2.30 in the morning. And, and so the devil releases what he was going to do for that night and he strategizes and they begin to stir up what they're going to do to meet the people coming to the bar at 6 in the morning. Cause you only got to be closed for three hours in some place. They open right back up again at six in the morning. But you can tie a lot of these things to demonic activity. And you have to know also that God wants people up praying during that time to counter the strategies of the enemy. And sometimes it will be a consistent thing. There are some people consistently are up at that time praying. And then there are some people who are just do it sporadically. So it's God's assignment to call people to do that it's not up to us to make up our mind oh yeah I gotta get up no 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 when God wants you up he'll get you up you got me now if he tells you to stay up he will tell you that and make that your assignment but many times he is he is uh, positioning intercessors strategically by his strategy to counter what he knows the enemy is doing so if he's waking you up in Ohio uh, he's got to have somebody in Ohio pray if he work wakes you up in Michigan he needs somebody there this is God's doing it's his assignment now so many times people you know and sometimes people are well meaning but they get flattered by this kind of stuff and they think oh I, I gotta get up and you know God needs me to do this. no 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 just slow your roll Uh, because there are enough times you've been told to pray and go right back to sleep again so let's just face facts here but the thing of it is God will will sometimes stir people to to intercede for things that he needs to be prayed for at that time uh, for his reasons Uh, pray in tongues pray in the spirit if he doesn't give you anything specific to pray for that's what I always do is pray in the spirit or I'll ask God if there's anything specific that I need to pray for and and, you know I'll start praying in the spirit and then he'll lead me uh, into the rest of the prayer and so we have to understand you know usually people who are sincere and serious about praying don't get stuck on 
gotta have so much sleep or you know what I'm saying flexible in your sleep patterns and and that's always good so he said will not be afraid of the terror by night amen some people are just scared of the boogeyman Uh, we carry those childhood fears sometimes into adulthood you know um, Rachel's one kid I've never she's not scared of nothing Uh, you know she would be up walking around the house and I'd be jumping out of my skin I said who goes there you know (laughs) keeping my little bat beside my bed and all that stuff and she it's me baba you know she's up looking for something to eat or just decided to come downstairs for some reason and she just meanders around that big dark house by herself has never been afraid of it but then there are some people who are very very sensitive to sight sounds noises they have imagination that runs wild and and uh but god says you won't be afraid there's you know you will see you will settle into his peace and you will know his peace he says or the arrow that flies by day now of course this was written at a time where an arrow is like a a handgun now so you won't be afraid of the drive-by shooting in the daytime he got me there's so many people who are killed this way uh in 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 road rage kills a lot of people these are daytime assaults there are people that go to school and send their children to school and then they hear on the news the school's on lockdown because somebody's decided to go in there and shoot as many hold them hostage these terrorist activities are things that pop up everywhere without warning you don't have a clue who's the next nut job in your town who has something plotted like that but God says you and yours will not have to be uh, taken out like that you're not going you don't have to be afraid you make the Lord your refuge and I'm not talking about you're saved and you demand certain things because there's an attitude in the church of believers that feels that because you're either saved you're a church goer you know this preacher so and so is your pastor you know that's your claim to fame you have to have a personal relationship with the Lord to the degree that you trust him even in things where you think you could do it yourself you still trust God you have to trust him across the board you don't have to be afraid of somebody calling your you from your kid's school and telling them to you know some we got some kids missing or we got some kids at the morgue or something like that it's not for you it's not for you you hear me it's not for you all of these things you know what you what you you need to do is start claiming your whole family under the shadow of the almighty father i have my children under my wings they're there i'm under your wings and they're under my wings and they're dear to me and then i take them along with me in my prayer and in my heart so innocent victims get get caught up in this thing all the time these people haven't done anything wrong any more than anybody else has so you know they're not deserving of these things and so God says you don't have to be concerned about them he says nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday so pestilence that walks in darkness what could that be well you ever gone to a restaurant and got home and didn't feel so good 
That's what that is. You were expecting to come home and just have a good meal or have a little indigestion. But you get sick. Some people get very sick. A darkness means that that's hiding in food that usually would be safe for you. But now for some reason it's unsafe. You got me? Disease operates like that quite a bit. Food poisoning, allergies, unseen dangers that attack that bring illness those are the the pestilence and darkness you know you're not expecting anything bad to happen that's why when we when i serve meals in this ministry we bless the food we don't ever do anything before we go to the restaurant to eat we bless that food before we get there and make sure God takes sickness away from the midst of us. We don't. We don't have any fear of being poisoned. You. You. You're not to be afraid of that. Huh? Uh, you know. I know. <laughs> some. Some people's food you are scared of, and you need to. Be. <laughs> You need to be, but you know, not that it's going to kill you. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) So the destruction that lays waste at noonday, you know, things can happen that we don't just make any plans for. God says don't be afraid of those. Sometimes you can hear things happen in the news and it will set up fear on the inside of you. And you think your mind will go race. What would happen if that happened? You know, I don't know. You know, we just go crazy sometimes, but we don't have to he says a thousand will fall at your side ten thousand at your right hand now, this has happened in times of war uh, 9-11 was one of the times where people start, saw people just dropping out of nowhere when that plane hit that building you know uh, portions of those floors just collapsed and people fall, fell dead right through those floors and took them so long to find all of the they couldn't find whole bodies they just had to find parts of bodies and try to try to identify them by uh, families bringing in a DNA sample and it just was a horrendous thing but the Bible says it won't come near you and many people that started out to work that morning and didn't get there they said you know for some reason I decided to go to my doctor's appointment first or my whatever first or you know I didn't get on I didn't go that early I decided to go a little bit later something like that and and so they were spared you know they were really spared he says uh, a thousand shall fall at your side ten thousand by your right hand it won't come near you we uh, prayed for all the military during uh, uh, who were going to Iraq and Iraq and Afghanistan and one of the young men in the ministry uh, told us of a report where he was uh, in the midst of gunfire he said he was literally dodging bullets remember Hector gave his testimony that time and he said uh he said after that he said the men that were um, I guess he was going from one place to another another group of soldiers he was going toward them and they were all uh, in protection and he was left out there and had no weapon you know he didn't have time to draw his weapon or something like that and he was literally just walking in the midst of bullets and when they got there everybody was shocked that he made it and uh, he got the name of miracle man when he was in the, the rest of the time he was in the service and he says he he knows that God kept him uh, safe during this. We prayed Psalm 91. He did too. 
And so you you really have to know that this stuff is real. Don't live in fear. Don't live in suspicion. Don't live in a place where you don't trust or you feel you can't go here, you can't go there. Uh, because if everybody says it's so dangerous. You know, if God has you go there, go there in the Lord and, and expecting his protection. So he is our refuge. You have to declare him. Verse 9 says that because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you again no plague come near your house your house is a house of safety your house is a house of protection your house is a safe house for anybody else who would come under your roof no evil no home invasions nobody busting in and killing everybody up and robbing you and all that kind of stuff in broad daylight why because he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways everywhere you go they keep you and protect you the bible says that they'll pick you up if if you're about to stumble you know over a rock or something in the road they'll pick you up and 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 not let you experience that even a slight bit of discomfort or a slight bit of stumbling they're they're there to keep you on your feet uh i use that uh all the time especially in weather like this you know it's like um i coming mean, i remember i had on some some boots i shouldn't have had on it my the weather might have taken a bad turn while I was in the church this was in Cleveland and uh, the soles of those boots were like like little skis I guess I was walking to the car and I think uh, I think Bianca and Jasmine were with me some you know and some other adults or something and all of a sudden I'm sitting there on the ground and and um, Pastor Shirley asked Jasmine, she said, is, is she all right? She said, Baba fell. I said, oh, Lord, here we go. Baba fell again. And uh, so we got me up. And uh, uh, Jasmine said, oh, no, she fell like a teenager. Now, I don't know what that meant, but, you know, it wasn't like an old lady getting up. All, I don't know. I don't know what that meant. But that was a good report, you know. And I wasn't hurt. I didn't feel bad. I just, you know, you're right, I guess so. So, uh, so anyway, we was, it was all good. So, I had a good report after all of that. And so, but that was, was my miscalculation, you know. And sometimes if I got on the wrong shoes, I'm a little more cautious, but I wasn't. But but you don't you won't suffer any injury you won't suffer any loss you get up like a teenager you know not <laughs> nothing missing nothing broken no broken bones no broken hip no broken anything <laughs> he says I will call he said uh, in verse actually in verse eight tells you why sometimes we're in the midst of trouble is because there's a reward coming for wicked people that's not for us you know all these people want to prophesy doom and go oh america's coming into judgment oh, i'm sorry new no. the righteous don't get judged with the wicked you got me that's not for righteous people now the best i can tell you is if you're scared of judgment you better get right Amen. You better get with God. Start serving God. Quit playing around. Quit being, you know, being stupid about things, and to take this seriously, and put your serious confidence and trust in Him. And so you may see many people uh, not survive. You see many people. Uh, 
uh, shot and, and killed. So many of, of, uh, of death in inner city has to do with the fact that those people don't live for God. And you see them killing each other up. And, and you know, here it is, though. Well, you know, they baby daddy, having more baby daddy. If you're going to live in sin, you're not going to get married. You're going to try to have kids anyway. you got to really, really cry out to God for protection. But most of them do not. And let's face it, they like the lifestyle they're living. And this is, is true in many other areas of the country where you see uh, this drug epidemic that is so uh, uh, so prevalent now. Many of these children don't have adult supervision most of their life. They, they are each other's parents to a large degree. They do what their, their little friends tell them to do. And they live in that world of, of lack of supervision. The Bible says if you don't honor your father and mother, your days won't be long on this earth and it won't go well with you. And you see a lot of conflict in families where kids are abandoned. They feel abandoned. I never knew my dad. I, you know, my mother, my grandparents had to raise me because my mother was on drugs and a lot of confusion where the devil has his and God spares a lot of people you got me he moves sovereignly he spares a lot of people but people who know better and don't want to do the right thing you know they're in very very uh, grave danger of being judged for their decision not to obey God and not to follow him and so God says verse 14 because you set your love on him you set your affection on God don't love God a little bit don't love God for a minute and go off doing something else but you set your affection on him he says I will deliver him and set him on high because he has known my name he's been familiar with me he calls on me continually he's the one I'm the one he looks for when he's got trouble I'm that person and so when you set your love on him you, you, uh, he will deliver you and he will elevate you in life you don't have to elevate yourself you know I see all these people upset because they, they don't recognize my gift and they don't give me this and they don't give me that and I see people mad about preachers need to learn better you know you can be plotting and planning to make big money you know they'll see a church that's got a big crowd of people they go set up they oh they asked me to preach over there when they went over there and no no richer for having gone over there I know so many people that get tricked like that they'll go to the big church thinking they're going to get a big offering and they get an honorarium $50 or can't find them they never sent me my check all this kind of stuff you know we go to plotting and planning on how we gonna get rich and how we gonna survive and I'm telling you the people that are really gifted and anointed they have a hard world they don't get they don't get in the money crowd like that you got me they just don't get it and so and I don't think they understand it but I always tell them I said well God is still taking care of you he's paying your bills uh, you know you you're still doing good you're still doing everything God told you to do uh, just be thankful I said and your you your increase will come but it's not going to come because you're trying to trust in who you think is going to give you the big paycheck and make your way over to those places God needs ministers and servants that he can send not who want to go where they want to go so there's a difference between being sent and going 
Sometimes you go because that's what you want to do. Wait till God sends you somewhere. You know, I'd rather be somebody sent than somebody who just went. You got me? Because you don't know where you're going and what's going to happen when you get there. You know, I've seen people terribly disappointed because it looked like what they thought it was supposed to be. And they get in there and they get so disappointed because they find out God's not in it. The people, I have people come to this ministry all the time I just enjoy coming to your meetings I like preaching for you because people really treat you good and, and they love you and, and this and that and that's it yeah because we try to cultivate that atmosphere and when I go places I go because God sends me I'm not trying to make friends with certain people so I can get invited certain places and people will know me like that's the next hot thing to do uh, you get involved in that kind of nonsense you'll always be disappointed but when you set your love on God you set your love on him you'll go wherever he tells you to go you'll do whatever he tells you to do he will honor you he will deliver you he will take care of you he will give you more than adequate to you know you'll be comfortable I know people get upset they want to have uh, four star hotels you ain't no four star preacher Without God, you you can't preach at all. So let's not go there. You know, it's you know. I mean, we just want somebody who can flow with the anointing, <laughs> obey God. We don't want four star, ten star, no kind of stars. Just a humble servant who wants to serve God, and and we treat everybody with respect. You know, we don't try to make big eyes have big seats for certain people. We look for certain people show up, and you know, they all that kind of stuff. You just come in, enjoy God, and and let God be your refuge. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us the privilege of hearing your word today. We honor your word, Lord. We love your word. We really, really do. We say of the Lord, he's our refuge. Lord, you're our refuge. Lord, you're our fortress. Lord, we trust in you. And we love you, Lord. We thank you for being that secret place where we can dwell. Nobody can come in and take us out of there. Because you're our protector. And we thank you for providing that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you.